our series in Ephesians, Identity Surrendered. We take everything that may define us in this life and we surrender it to the will of God. Even as strong as the labels of husband and wife, they are not our chief identity. We surrender those identities to the will of God. Did you see that? <laughs> Did you hear that in what was read? Some, some challenging words. Uh, probably as some would hear them or receive them, perhaps some controversial words uh, this morning. Uh, I, want to, I want to start out, I, I, I don't feel qualified to uh, preach about marriage uh, because mine isn't perfect <laughs> and nobody's is. So if you think somebody has a perfect marriage, um, you're reading it wrong. <laughs> uh, they don't. And we're, we're, all, uh, we're all sinners uh, working through this. And, and we need help. And it's not that we're not growing. It's not that, not that there aren't good, strong marriages. Of course there are. Um, but uh, yesterday uh, was special for Julie and for me. It was uh, 22 years of uh, being together. I told a friend uh, about that. I said, hey, uh, today's the anniversary. We're going to go out later. And a friend says to me, how many years? I said, 22 years. And he says, that's saying something. He says, about her. <laughs> And I was like, all right, all right, who needs enemies? We have friends like you. Uh, I know that a message on, on marriage can be received in a lot of different ways. Uh, there are some who uh, perhaps aspire to marriage one day and are curious to see what this says and, and how this may apply to their future. I know that some uh, have experienced great hurt and pain and difficulty and grief. In, in marriage relationships, either presently or in the past. And, and so as I preach that today, uh, this passage, I'm, I'm not insensitive uh, to that. I hope that this is a, a place where we can come and find healing and that we can see these scriptures as not just about Christian marriage, but also about our Christian lives. And I'm going to bring that out in how we understand uh, these verses, uh, I hope, today. We were driving... Uh, Back yesterday, we happened to be spending some time on the freeway, and uh, we pull up, and there's this car going extremely slow, in the, which at least they were in the right lane, and so that was really good. And so I'm in the middle lane, and I'm going by, and I see this thing on the back of their car, and it says 10 years together. And I thought, well, that's really cool. You know, like today's our anniversary, and uh, they have 10 years together on the back of their car. Like, that's really, that's really cool. I'm preaching about marriage tomorrow. I was starting to kind of get into it, kind of feeling it good. And so we come up alongside the car, and there's this guy driving by himself, and there's nobody in the front seat. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. And then I noticed on the side, not the driver's window, but on the um, passenger window on the driver's side, it says... Me and my Prius, 10 years together. <laughs> he'd been driving his Toyota for 10 years and wanted everybody to know that he'd been together with his Toyota for 10 years. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, that doesn't help my sermon illustration for tomorrow at all. It's a, that guy doesn't get it. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. All right, so uh, you got you to have a little bit of levity uh, with this. Uh, so let's, let's get into this. This starts out and, and, and it kind of just dives in and says, says some hard things. And so 
Um, again, I, my goal this morning is to help us understand uh, what this means and how we can apply uh, these things to our lives. So verse 22, in the very beginning, uh, we're not even, you know, we're not even going in lightly. We're just coming right at it. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Husband is the head of the wife. And then as the church submits to Christ, wives should submit to, uh, in everything to their husbands. And the best way for me to explain this to you, uh, and, and not just because this is my preference, I want to show you exactly what is happening in the Word of God, is that submission, as it's talked about in these verses and throughout this passage, is an illustration of the Spirit's control. If you were with us last week, we talked about uh, verse 18 in chapter 5. And if you weren't, I'm going to give a quick reminder of what verse 18 looks like. Here it is. It says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And so we looked at some of the specific things that happen when we want our lives to be controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what happens. Have hope and peace and joy in your life that if you have trusted Christ for your relationship with God, if you've put your faith in Jesus alone for forgiveness of your sin and for your, your salvation, your saving from the penalty of your sin and for the hope of heaven, then the Holy Spirit fills you. And, and works in your life. And this, uh, this, this command in, in Ephesians 5.18 is, is a constant reminder to us. We want to be filled with the Spirit every day. We want God to have control of our lives. And so the first verb that we get there is uh, filled. Be filled with the Spirit. Actually, there's only two verbs there. Do not get drunk uh, and be filled. The rest of these are what are called participles. All right, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody, giving thanks always, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's, that's what we studied last week, and that gets us to verse 21, which is right before verse 22, where we start this week. And I, want, I, I do all that to bring us to where this passage actually begins. If we just start with 22 and we get wives submit to your husbands and we don't have the context, that it's in the, in the context of the teaching that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit and submitting to one another is part of the evidence that Christ is living in us, then we don't understand submission. What part of the evidence that I'm following Christ and that the Holy Spirit is filling me is that I can give up what I want and consider another's desires, wishes, and wants. That's in a general sense. In a more specific sense, it means I can also submit my life to another's input or leadership. Or I can submit my life to another's interests. Part of this is Christian living in general. Can I see somebody else's point of view? Can I see somebody else's interest? Can I be under somebody else's authority? As a grown adult man, can I have somebody in the name of Jesus Christ tell me what to do? That is part of submission. Can I take correction or rebuke? And can we... Maybe agree on a decision that isn't my favorite, and that's what we're going to do. That's submission in a general sense. And so Ephesians 5, 18 to 21, it gives us that. 
And I have to show you that last line, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, because if you take verse 22, which is going to be here at the top of our screen, if you take verse 22 where it says, wives, submit to your own husbands, in the Greek text, the word submit isn't even there in verse 22. The English repeats it just for our own help, okay? Because we're talk he's talking about submitting, and it's there in 21. It just continues the thought in the Greek, wives to your own husbands, is what it literally reads in the Greek. So he's talking about the concept of Christian submission, about the Holy Spirit being in control of our lives and us learning how to submit to one another. And then the illustration that he gives is in Christian marriage. That's exactly what is happening in these verses. And so in verse 22, it doesn't even say the word submit. The English borrows it to help us follow and understand. But it's an illustration. Wives, to your own husbands as to the Lord. All right, so that's, that's the place where we start in thinking about submission and understanding. Every single one of us as a Christ follower, a potential husband, a potential wife, a husband or a wife, uh, it doesn't matter. We're, we're all, if you're single or wherever you are, we're all submitted to Christ. And, and by the, the whole spirit of where we've been in Ephesians 4 and 5 is that we're all seeking to submit to one another in unity, in, in love. And so that's the context of what's going on. I thought it was good, important to get to some about, the, uh, some about that as we anchor this teaching this morning. All right, so what does the word in our context mean? Does it mean believers have, all right, in calling uh, for submission, does it mean that believers have ironclad authority and complete command over each other? Does it mean that? I want to give an emphatic no, and I want to help you understand why as we go along. The one sure way to mess this word up and to mess up Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, really, is to start talking about somebody having absolute power over somebody else. All right, stay with me. Don't let this confuse you. I want to get to the nature of the word submit. What does it mean? In the Greek, does the word submit imply power and authority? Yes, it does. Uh, when Jesus sent the disciples out, they said, even the demons submit to us. It's the same root word in the Greek. And so there is authority that is meant and illustrated by the use of the word. But it is the nature of the power and authority and how that authority is gained <laughs> that, that really challenge us as we go through this. So... Uh, in 23 and 24, I'm going to slow down. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also sh wives should submit in everything to their husbands. As we hear these words... I'm going to kind of start at the top of the funnel, and we're going to get more narrow as we go along today. But at the top of the funnel, there is way more going on here than a wife mindlessly obeying everything that a husband says because he has complete power and authority over her. And that they believe that this demands that the wife be obedient to everything that the husband says. There is way more going on than that picture. 
really feel a strong repulsion to believers who use these verses to accomplish that. There are numbers of women who have been mistreated on account of these verses. And unfortunately, there have been pastors who have forced them into further harm by staying under abusive husbands because of these verses. And I want you to know that. I want you to be aware of that. It's not the spirit of these verses. It's not how a husband ought to conduct himself. And so men or young men, this passage, in, in, in hearing these words about wives and submission, they have nothing to do with you being entitled to get what you want or to have domineering authority over your spouse. I know this is about wives, but I feel really strong today to say this to husbands. Don't misinterpret these verses. I want wives, potential wives, future wives, to see these words and to see how a husband ought to gain the authority by which I believe if this is working properly, women would be glad to submit and to say, I'll follow that lead and I'll go, we'll go with this, okay? All right, so we're still on point one. I realize that. <laughs> But we have to get some of this stuff straight because the language is really challenging and its misuse can have devastating consequences. We don't intend for that. All right, so hopefully we're clear and off to a good start. Now, the next chunk that we're going to take with is to, to help us further understand the nature of the authority that is being talked about. If the word submit does include uh, power or authority in that sense, then, then how would a husband gain any authority? Paul makes this clear for us. In verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I'm going to stop there. How does a husband love his wife? If all you had was that verse, do you, do you now know why I despise the abuse of these verses? It's because they stopped at 24 with the wives submit and didn't drill into how the husband gets the authority. The love of Christ that earns any leadership in a marriage or in Christ's sense, over the church, what is that love? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I don't have to interpret this this morning. Paul interprets it for us. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It is a sacrificial love. Men. What does this entitle you to? It entitles you to serve sacrificially. If you desire the mantle of Christian husbandship, it entitles you to serve sacrificially every single day for the rest of your life, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What an impressive mantle. What an impressive standard that we get 
We don't get authority that serves us. We get authority <laughs> as Christ has authority over our lives and we want to be obedient to him. It's sacrificial leadership. It's sacrificial authority. He gave himself up for her. This uh, sounds like Luke 22, 26. Not so with you. That should be rather my typo. Let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. All kinds of statements in the, in the Gospels that we get of Jesus turning leadership upside down. The one who is greatest serves. That's the nature of Jesus' leadership. And it's the nature of how Paul describes a husband right here in Ephesians 5. It's totally in concert with the character of of Christ. 26. He gave himself up for her. Why? That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. The purpose of Christ's sacrifice is so that God can work in us. Sanctify means to make us holy, to make us more like him. Cleansed by the washing of water symbol to baptism and the word of coming under the word of God. We are cleansed of our sins because of Christ. That's the, that's the purpose. And so if that is Christ's purpose for the church, it is also, as Paul is teaching us this morning, God's purpose for marriage. Then 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle. Or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. I borrowed this, but I say it and I repeat it because I believe it. Marriage is not for our happiness. Marriage is for our holiness. Somebody could probably Google it and see who said it. I just repeat that. It's not my own. I don't claim it as my own. But it is so true. Oh, our marriage is going to be perfect and we had all the perfect decorations, and wasn't the menu great? And all oh, that DJ was wonderful. It's happy. Marriage is full of happiness. I don't deny that, but marriage is for our holiness. And it's not a flashy saying, it's right here in Ephesians 5. Christ gave himself up for us that he might sanctify us, having cleansed us, that he might present us, the church, to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle. She might be holy and without blemish. And so that's how Paul is describing what is going to happen as a husband leads and as a wife is following that direction. In the same way, verse 28, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. In the same way. It's the same thing. And so it, marriage is a picture of God's work in us. He wants to sanctify us. He wants us to quit that sin that we've been hiding and that has been secret for so long. He wants, he wants us to quit that sin that we're so comfortable with that nobody around us even calls us on it anymore. He wants us to be aware of sin in our lives so that we can become more like him. He wants to work in us to make us holy and to be like him. That's what he wants. And so in order to do that, it's not easy. Great love is required to save us from sin. Christ gave himself up for us to save us from sin. So great love is required for Christian 
marriage. Look at the language in 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but what? Nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. There's a nourishing and a cherishing that happens in Christian marriage. We get to try our very best as husbands to nourish and build up and cherish our wives. We did that. Here. I did make this up. This is my best attempt. Uh, you could add a lot to this. But I, did, I did this to keep it basic. Okay? What is a Christian marriage? You're both Christ followers. Okay? You're both saying, uh, I follow Christ and I trust him with, in him alone with my salvation. Uh, I'm submitted. The husband and wife are both submitted. The husband is submitted to Christ and in that sense is mutually submissive to cherishing and nourishing and sacrificially loving his wife. And the wife is submitted. She's submitted to Jesus and she's submitted in that marriage to doing whatever she can do to pray for and encourage her, her husband uh, in, in making decisions, setting direction, whatever it happens to be. Sacrificial servant. Yes, a husband and wife are both doing those things in uh, general as servants of Jesus and specifically in a marriage context. And there's growth. We're being sanctified. And sometimes what we want to do is we want to say, hey, I'll take the marriage, but I'll leave some things out. A husband goes, I'm not really submitted. I just kind of like to be submitted too. Right? I don't really want to, I'm kind of following Christ, but maybe I'm not just fully looking for the Holy Spirit to be a part of everything I'm doing, and I'm just kind of comfortable and not really growing, and so there's a little bit of a lag here. And, and then the wife says, well, if you're not submitted, then I'm going to kind of be submitted-ish, and we'll just kind of do that, and I'll reserve the right to be sarcastic and call you out for the things. Is that really, honey, the way that Christ loved the church? Ha! You know, and all these sort of things that would happen. All right? And, and so we, we, we want to kind of leave it all out, and, and I, I want you to see the contrast. Christian marriage comes with a high standard. It comes with a challenging commitment. And I hope that you're not scared by it. I hope that you're encouraged to embrace it. Because while it's a high standard, it's, it's never one, and I have in my notes here, that Christian marriage can't be less than this and be effective. It can't. There are going to be breakdowns if, if things are missing from the chart. It can't be less than that. But here's the other thing that it can't be, is it can't be perfect. I want to give you some encouragement. There are all kinds of personalities that make up marriages. This is not about trying to get all men to fit into one personality box in the way they are loving their wives and in their homes sacrificially. This is not about getting all women to to look or dress or act or have the same personalities and the same passions and the same giftings of the Lord. It's not that. There are different, and, and part of me is confessing here because I think at times I may have used to think that, but, but it's not. A husband can love a wife of multiple different types of personalities. I should say husbands. <laughs> with different personalities, love wives with different personalities. I'm not speaking of wives as having multiple personality disorders. Don't put words in my mouth today. All right? Yes. So there are all kinds of personalities that make up different kinds of marriages, husbands and wives. And, and the goal is not to stuff people into boxes and conform their personalities to a certain personality type. The goal is to conform to Christ. Sometimes 
the husband has a little bit of a softer style and a, soft, and a more gentle personality, and the wife has uh, more of a, a strong voice and a, and a strong bent and passion, and, and we have to work to be sacrificial. We have to work to, to pray together and to come together and do that. So it can't be perfect. There's all kind of these things that you have to navigate, and that's where the contrast is so helpful. What Christ did is perfect, but what we're trying to do in marriage and in relationship and submission isn't by its nature perfect because we're humans. Okay, so it doesn't mean that women won't have strong voices or contributions or personalities. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't work outside the home or even provide leadership in the home where they have capability and gifting. It means that a husband's sacrifice, they're going to work really hard in the marriage and live every day to not get what they want. And it means that husbands are going to try their best to, to lead and to help wives according to their gifts and really not try to make them all look the same. It's, marriage is a big adventure, and it's exciting. And when we embrace these things, we embrace the differences between man and woman in that marriage, and we say, we're going to come before the Lord, we're going to try to work this out. I'm following Jesus all the way. None of these participles, back to the end of the passage from last week, none of them is perfection. Addressing one another in Psalms, giving thanks always, singing, submitting. None of them is perfection. We need help. And so I hope that you don't use this material today for, for little needling jokes or to try to get your way. I don't think you should do anything until you answer the questions that this text demands. And here they are. Husbands. Honestly, openly, let me encourage you to ask your wife how you can better sacrificially serve in your home and allow her to say what she wants to say. Allow yourself, open yourself up to that criticism. Say, I want to, I want to be a, a better servant. I don't think we can take this seriously until we're, we're ready to have those conversations and be open and be honest and be ready to hear the truth. And, and wives, in the same way, ask how you can better show commitment to Christ and to helping your husband in the home. What if husbands and wives had free reign to speak into each other's lives and were promised no sarcasm and no backlash, only prayer and consideration? What if? We'd be in Ephesians 5. We'd be on the way. I know it's not perfect. I know it's not easy. I'm glad that we see the process of sanctification, of becoming like Jesus. It takes a lot of grace. It takes a lot of forgiveness. And it takes a lot of help. Sometimes it's good to ha add another voice into our marriage or into our husbanding or into uh, being a, a wife. It's good to get those mentor uh, roles. Here's how we're going to close today. I knew I would spend most of the time in those two points. Honoring Christ shows the Spirit's control in marriage and everything else. I want you to think well of marriage. I want you to think highly of the commitment that two people make to live until death do them part. If marriage hasn't gone well or ended well, I'm sorry. And I have compassion. I pray that God would use this message to encourage you so that you can be an encouragement to others. But if we zoom out today from marriage, we see the bigger picture of the Spirit's control of our lives. Marriage can help us Unite with another to walk together underneath the Spirit of God, submitting to one another, as verse 21 says, by the illustrations of head 
and leading and submitting as, as, God, as Paul shows them in husband and wife. But we'll never do it without submitting to Jesus. Here we go. Here's how Paul says it in Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing another. Sounds very similar to Ephesians, yeah? So, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, thankfulness. Whatever you do in word of deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. And then he says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Fantastic comparison, fantastic summary of what's going on here. We zoom out. We want to be richly consumed with the word of God in our lives. Richly consumed. In Galatians 5, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. May these be words of truth and power and conviction, but may they lead to conversations that are full of grace and forgiveness and commitment and I'm sorry and I want to do better and I want to help. Can't do one without the other. We need those two to come together. It's the example of Christ in our lives. It's his intention to grow us. And for those of you that are in marriage or aspiring to it, it can be a great encouragement as we're growing together, submitted to the Lord, submitted to one another, the picture that Christ gives to us.